This is the Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. A man who's gone through hell, but he's kept going and he's smart and he's strong and people love him. Not everybody, but people love him and respect him. Roger Stone. Now, here's Roger Stone. This is uh, The Roger Stone Show. Joining me now is uh, father, grandfather, author, uh, and uh, author of the book Chronicles of the Last Jewish Gangster. Uh, He is, above all, uh, a patriot. uh, And Myron Sugarman joins us on The Roger Stone Show right now. Okay. Thank you so much, Roger. It's a pleasure to be on your show. We had a good conversation yesterday, so I think that I'm going to go right into explaining who I am and what I'm all about. That would have been Uh, my first question, so please, fire away. (laughs) Okay, so I'm second generation. I'm from the world of the Jewish mob that goes back to the 1900s. My father, may rest in peace, was close with Abner Longies Wilman, who was the Al Capone of the state of New Jersey during alcohol, um, Doc Stature, uh, Meyer Lansky uh, was a very, very good friend of my father's. My father was one of the investors, in the, uh, the early investors, and got out of Cuba in time before the revolution. But we go back a long, long time in history, and I, I was taught the gambling machine industry for my father, but um, the, 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 the outlaw aspect of my life was uh, not the only side of my life. I was also taught patriotism, not just American patriotism, not just Jewish patriot, patriotism, but both, uh, where there'd be no conflict one with the other. Um, let me give a little history. Uh, Roger, starting in the 1930s with the rise of anti-Semitism, Jew hatred, and neo-Nazi, Fritz Kuhn came to the United States after uh, World War One, appealed to the large German community in northern New Jersey. Newark, New Jersey was a battleground. There were the Jewish mob under the <clears throat> under the leadership of Abner Longies Wilman. To, to end with uh, Nat Arno, a former prize fighter. They fought the American Nazi Party. Many, many battles. There's a book called The Nazis of Newark. It was written by a friend of mine, which I helped him write, by the name of Warren Grover. The name of the book is Nazis of Newark. And Meyer Lansky was asked by Judge Nathan Perlman to do exactly the same thing in Yorkville up on, a, on Lexington and, and 86th Street, which was a major German enclave at the time. And Fritz Kuhn again appealed and got his, they, they did an effective job of uh, the boys went up there. Now, Lucky Luciano was uh, uh, said to Meyer Lansky, uh, Meyer, if you need any of my guys to help you, he says, you can count on it. And Meyer said to Lucky Luciano, he says, it's a Jewish problem, Lucky Charlie. I appreciate that, your help and your offer but it's going to be resolved by Jewish boys. Um, But that didn't stop Meyer Lansky and Lucky Luciano from a joint venture cooperation, working with 
a naval intelligence officer by the name of Charles Hepperton in the 19... Um, 1942, after the sinking, the explosion of the sinking of the SS Normandy, which was a French luxury ship that was being refitted in the port of New York to send troops to go to Europe to fight the, fight the uh, Axis. And that ship was destroyed, it was sunk, it blew up and sunk in the port of New York Harbor. And Charles Heffington reached out to Moses Polakoff, who was the attorney for Lucky Luke General Meyer Lansky. And to make a long story short, it was a joint venture cooperation of the in employing the the longshoremen and every saloon keeper, every cig- cigarette girl, every every prostitute, every pimp in the city of New York to to, to keep eyes and ears open against Nazi sabotage and espionage which was a concern of the intelligence department of the United States government after the sinking of the Normandy. Because it was always assumed that it was, they always believed that it was a result of Nazi sabotage. The Jewish mob, Roger, played a very effective role in supplying weapons and arms to both the two militant organizations in helping to create the state of Israel. That was Haganah under David Ben-Gurion and the Ergun under Menachem Begin. They both reached out to the Jewish gangsters to help supply weapons and arms. But again, effectively, if it wasn't for the Italian gangsters of Frank Costello, Albert Anastasia, whatever the goods or the weapons that were acquired and accumulated and shipped out of the port of New York, New Jersey, was done as a result of the Zionists going to Meyer Lansky and to Abner Longhi's Wilman and um, asking them to use their influence with the longshoremen, which, of course, was controlled by Albert Anastasia, who was the high commissioner, executioner of, of, um, of murder and corporate, <laughs> together with Frank Costello, who ascended to the leadership of... Uh, the Genovese crime family after Lucky Luciano was deported by Governor Dewey. Um, my own involvement as a result of that kind of tradition and history is, uh, yes, I was, um, I, I opened up New York City for gambling in 1977, uh, which had been closed down in 1941 by Mayor LaGuardia who destroyed the slot machines of Frank Costello and Meyer Lansky. And uh, I brought that back in 1977 for recognition for my achievements in bringing back illegal gambling. I was given a two-year tax-free paid vacation by the United States government. By the way, the same machines today that you can play on your iPhone. So um, I think that's a pretty good summary of Oh, one other thing, of course, was as a result of that tradition that was handed down to me, I was very, very close with time and reason. So I offered my services to him in 1965 in Vienna, Austria, when I was 27 years of age. I went to see him, and I became his man in South America. I have letters to that effect, uh, which I was specifically used uh, as a messenger service for certain people 
and deliver certain messages if it comes a certain message. But my um, the main objective was to try and nail Joseph Mengele in Paraguay, in Asuncion, Paraguay. I was able to finally get the people that had cited him, and that information, of course, was sent to Simon Riesendorf, who in turn sent it to Mossad. So I think that uh, I've given, given you the, the, the uh, rundown. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. Yeah, I think many, many Americans are not familiar with the crucial role that both the Italian and the Jewish mob played uh, in working with federal officials uh, to uh, crush the Nazis and to win World War II. Uh, There are some books about it, but our our guest today, Myron Sugarman, uh, he was uh, involved uh, firsthand. Uh, Myron, I saw a... uh, a great interview with uh, Patrick Ben David that you gave uh, when you said uh, the biggest gangsters of them all uh, is the government. What did you mean by that? They got all the power, all the money, and they do whatever they want to do, and there's no... <laughs> our our former president is finding that out right now, that they, they do whatever they... they, they, they just... Whatever, whatever the political mood strikes them, they'll go ahead and do it. Listen, they locked me up for two years for operating slot machines in order to take away my business to give it to somebody else, uh, basically to themselves. And you can play the same machines. I went in front of Judge Harold Green, the one that broke up the AT&T monopoly and was the judge in the Iran-Contra affair at the time with Reagan. And uh, he I had a federal case and I went in front of him and and he asked the prosecutor, what's the difference between the machines that Mr. Sugarman operates and what Washington, D.C. lottery operates? I'm confused. And the prosecutor says, well, Mr. Sugarman is associated with organized crime. So, so, I mean, so Harold Green, who was a, an escapee from Nazi Germany, uh, received a letter from Simon Wiesenthal saying, what organized crime? Myron Sugarman helps me pursue the real criminals of history, the Nazis in South America. Uh, <laughs> so we can see through all of this tremendous amount of hypocrisy and politics, of course, is something like that. So that's why we, when when the, we I had that conversation with uh, Patrick David, who's a hell of a good guy, great guy, and uh, asked very good questions. As you and I had a great discussion last evening before we uh, get on to this particular interview, you you asked some very insightful and penetrating questions as well. And um, the answer to the is the um, you got to hope that the guy that's in power is a patriot, is not just a politician, but he's a statesman, and he's got the best interest of the country at heart, which quite frankly, is a subject of another discussion. Well, we'll get into that in a second. In 
in terms of uh, post use of the RICO law, which was really uh, ironically pioneered by Rudy Giuliani, to, to what extent does the mob exist today? Um, they're not stupid. They're very intelligent guys. The leadership, the leadership of mob, uh, is it's it's it, they're also they they they're revolutionizing. They they see what's going on as far as modern technology is concerned, how it affects and how it changes, and the the need for forget that brute force nonsense that. Uh, you know, one of the one of the lessons that I've taught a lot of guys, and I think that you you'll appreciate it, is I tell fellas, you know, guys, if you're thinking of using your muscle at the end, it's because you didn't use your brain in the beginning. So I think that your your modern mob, um, from the experiences and from my observations, I think that they've also have made a, a major um, evolution in their thinking as to how to proceed uh, for the future. It's not, um, you, you're always going to have those that uh, are going to, there's, there's an expression in Spanish, hecho la ley, hecho trampa. It comes out the law and you figure out how to, how to get around it. All right. Man-made law is man-made. It's it's a variable. Moral law, God's law, is a fixed. On the question of the man law, man looks for the opportunity to get around it, circumvent it, whether it's legal or it's not legal, as long as he can get around it, he's going to do it. Uh, if you had to look back on your long career, what would you say the most daring operation you were ever involved in was? The most daring operation that I ever was involved with was in, probably in Asuncion, Paraguay. I was warned off by the Jews there, please stop going around asking questions. You're putting us in a lot of danger because um, Roger, um, Paraguay was under the uh, dictatorship of Alfredo Sloster. Generalissimo Alfredo's trust after 37 years. There were Jews that escaped and settled in Paraguay after the war. Most of them, virtually all of them, were Holocaust survivors. And the, the word got around that there's a somebody representing the interest of the, the documentation center from Vienna, meaning Wiesenthal, that was making uh, asking a lot of questions. And I was told stick to your slot machine business and forget about asking questions. Um, I had all kinds of experiences as far as life is concerned. I had three state cases, three federal cases. I ended up doing a couple of years jail time. Um, you learn a lot by living on the edge, by living outside the law. And one of the most important lessons that you learn as far as life is concerned whether you're living inside the law or outside the law, is that you got to be honest. You got to be straightforward, and you got to learn how to say things in a certain way, so that even if you're telling the truth, you got to use your the right language, the right words, 
the right expressions in, in explaining yourself. Now, you told me yesterday that uh, as a Jew uh, and as an American, uh, because of his uh, uh, keeping his commitment to move uh, the capital uh, to Jerusalem, uh, because of the Abraham Accords, because of his stout defense and loyalty to the state uh, of Israel, uh, even though you're not political, uh, that you are a supporter uh, of President Donald Trump. Yet polling, which I saw just this morning, showed that uh, among American Jews, uh, Donald Trump has a 77% disapproval rating, uh, and that uh, if the election were held today, 68% of Jewish voters say they would vote for Joe Biden, while only 22% said they'll vote for Trump. That leaves 10% undecided. I tend to believe that those are overwhelmingly Trump voters who don't want to say. Uh, but 74% think Biden is doing a good job handling the war in Israel. I just find this all unbelievable, literally almost insanity. But what do you think of it? Well, the greatest friend of the Jewish people going back in time and history this is very interesting, was Julius Caesar. Um, the Jews of the Roman Empire, at the time of Caesar, he was so great for the, to the Jewish people that our people mourned his passing at, the, at a cemetery at his graveside 30 days, which is the traditional Shalishim. Um Donald Trump's greatness exceeds that of Julius Caesar. Now, people are going to say to me, well, What's the matter with this guy? Well, you know, he's he's an old gangster, so what the hell is, you know? Well, I'll tell you what I know. Well, not only did he, everything that you cited is absolutely correct. He, 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 he moved the embassy, which everybody said they would do, but nobody did it, which was a, an incredible gesture. Everybody said the Arabs are going to start another uh, intifada or start another world, a war. As a result of him moving the embassy, nothing ever happened. The man recognized sovereignty as far as the Golan Heights is concerned. He recognized sovereignty as far as Judea and Samaria. He picked a gal and worked in the United Nations. Nikki Haley, she was a fantastic defender of the state of Israel. She didn't, uh, she was, she was, uh, and he gets the credit, he picked it. The Abrahamic agreement that the man is entitled to the Nobel Prize. <laughs> Then the Abrahamic, the Abrahamic agreement is is shaking. That you, you had Sudan, you had you had the Morocco, UAE, Bahrain, all recognizing together with Jordan, together with Egypt. You and and if he was still in power, you would have had more nations added on, particularly Saudi Arabia, which is of course. The the um, the home of the Muslim faith. Without Saudi Arabia, nothing nothing could, be, could have been done. Saudi Arabia obviously obviously gave its approval to the other nations to go ahead and enter into the Abrahamic Abraham Accord until the second term of Trump. 
Besides all of this, he made Israel not just a power in the Middle East, but he helped to make Israel a power throughout the entire world. The Muslim world suddenly was recognizing Israel for, its, for who it was. Now, am I, am I um, capable of telling you what would have happened if Trump would have been president today? In all probability, we would not have had the 7th of October, 2023, because he was in the process of destroying the regime of Iran through punishing sanctions. I'm, I'm not interested in talking about this man's personality. That's, that's irrelevant. I'm talking about the man's accomplishment, his deeds. It was remarkable. And amongst the, the percentage of uh, the 20% or whatever it is that we represent of Trump supporters, we recognize that he was, in fact, historically greater than Charlemagne, greater than than uh, um, the one that uh, I'm thinking of the, the emperor from Poland that, that invited the Jews, that, that was benevolent to the Jews. Whoever was benevolent to the Jews got rewarded. And in the particular case of Donald Trump, he was incredibly great for the Jews, incredibly, incredibly benevolent to the state of Israel, and he got punished. If he was to go to Israel today and run for prime minister, I think that BB would be in trouble. <laughs> you know, I've always said, I've said it on this show, uh, the one man who doesn't get recognized uh, as a friend to Israel is none other than Richard Nixon. Uh, in 1973, uh, a massive failure by Israeli intelligence. Uh, in the 1973 Yom Kippur War, the Israelis uh, are find themselves under a vicious attack by the Egyptians and the Syrians. They are quickly out of ammunition. Uh, Golda Meir makes an appeal to President Richard Nixon uh, for emergency lethal aid. Dr. Henry Kissinger is opposed. Uh, the Joint Chiefs Chairman Admiral Thomas Moore is opposed. The entire national security apparatus uh, of the Nixon administration is opposed. Oh, it will inflame the Russians, Nixon is telling. It will challenge the Russians. Nixon says, the hell with that. Uh, I want to airdrop $37 million of lethal aid to the Israelis immediately. Kissinger tries to wait Nixon out. 24 hours go by. Nixon says, well, has the stuff left for Israel? No, Mr. President, we haven't decided what kind of plane to send. Nixon calls... Uh, Admiral Thomas Moore and says, if that plane isn't in the air, send anything that can fly. If that plane is not in the air, I'm going to come over to the Pentagon and put my foot up your ass. They don't play that uh, Watergate era tape for you. Richard Nixon saved Israel from complete annihilation in the 1973 war. Now, did he make some anti-Semitic comments when he was in the White House? Yes. Definitely. But as Golda Meir said, what matters more, words or deeds? Words or deeds? Uh, I, uh, I'm shocked uh, at the, uh, at the uh, reaction going on in America uh, about this war. That the, 
that the Democratic Party of Harry Truman, the founder of Israel, the, the man who allowed for Israel, helped Israel be born, seems to have been completely uh, infiltrated uh, by, uh, by radical Islam, uh, by the pro-Palestinians. Uh, and uh, New York City's become a very dangerous place, from what I can see. So, um, Roger, your knowledge is right on the money. Richard Nixon, who was alleged to have been an anti-Semite, was probably the uh, one of the greatest friends of the of the state of Israel. Because uh, you're you're right. I think it was Alexander Haig that went to Nixon, and Kissinger, the Jew, was the one that said, "Let him get bloodied." And Rick and Nixon overruled it and said, "I want all those Hercules load every Nick every every bullet we've got left, send it to Israel." And in fact. Uh, if it wasn't for Nixon, there would not be an Israel today. Um, Kissinger, 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 who was an escapee from Nazi Germany, was the one that told Nixon, and it was Alexander Haig that told the president, you can't allow this to happen, and Nixon said, absolutely not. Now, as far as Truman was concerned, it was Eddie Jacobson, his old partner, the, uh, from the haberdashery business in Lincoln, Missouri. <laughs> the scientists used him to get to Truman. And Truman told him, you kike SOB, you stop calling me, you're making up, you're, you're becoming, you're becoming, you're annoying me. And Eddie Jacobson says, but, but Harry, <laughs> Harry Truman, we, we're buddies. You got it. The scientists are, 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 are making me call you because they want to introduce somebody by the name of uh, Weitzman. <laughs> and um, I'm Weitzman, who is the first president of the state of Israel. And he met with Truman. And, and even though Truman came from a Midwest um, background, where his wife best, she didn't allow Jews in her home. But he's the guy that said 20 minutes after David Ben-Gurion announced the establishment of the State of Israel on May 14th, 1948. He, he, in defiance of General Marshall, George C. Marshall, who's the, it was his um, um, United States um, Secretary of State, he told him, he, he told Truman, if you do this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to quit. I'm going to embarrass you. Truman says, go ahead. Truman went ahead. It's, it's not what people... The words, that's irrelevant. You can't get hung up on that. You've got to see what the human being does in terms of deeds. And as far as Donald Trump is concerned, it's it's mind-boggling what the man has done as far as the state of Israel is concerned. And unfortunately and regrettably and sadly, our people never, not, not only didn't show the appreciation and the gratitude, but they 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 vilify him, and yet if he was to go to the state of Israel, he he, he would be eating in seven million Jewish homes. He'd be eating. they would put him at the head of the table. He'd be like King Solomon. 
All right. Um, unfortunately, we have to wrap it up there. Myron Sugarman, uh, I want to thank you for joining us on the Roger Stone Show. He is the author of Chronicles of the Last Jewish Gangster. Thank you so very much, folks. And stand by because radio legend of Chicago, Man Cow, joins us next. It's the Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. 